You are listening to Seattle Sports Saturday, Saturday with Lydia Cruz, Curtis Rogers, and Taylor Jacobs on 710 ESPN Seattle. Hey, Seattle, we've got a uniform combo. Woo. You think it's Marshawn Lynch's return? We've never seen him in action green. Unfortunately, we still will not see him in action green. It's going blue on blue tomorrow for the Seahawks. That's a big deal to a lot of people. The uniform combo, especially now you throw in the action green. They mixed it up with the blue pants earlier this season. But uh, they're going going classic for tomorrow against the 49ers. I like oh, it. Yeah? Yeah, I like it. It's it's not my favorite combo of the jerseys, but I like pulling the blues out. Just that good home feel and seeing Marshawn. He looks he looks tough in that, in that all blue. Yes. I... Uh, I wonder if he'll probably go with the dark visor. Oh yeah, tomorrow. I mean, he he's an intimidating presence. And yes, it's much better to have him on your team than go up against him at any point in his career. Big if true. <laughs> it is. It yeah, is true. It is it's got to be true. It is true. Uh, and with Marshawn back in the fold for the Seahawks, what are what is? I guess the most reasonable expectation for him, or maybe we can throw reason out the window here because we're going to ask some big questions for the Seahawks heading into week 17. You look at Marshawn year and a half removed. That's, that's a, that's a knock against him, I guess, but it's also a year and a half of not taking hits. It's a year and a half of staying fresh. It's a year and a half of him, you know, refocusing, and what Pete Carroll said is that he's in good shape. He he passed his physical. What should we expect from him tomorrow out there? And I think that's the most anticipated thing from both sides is Marshawn Lynch's presence out on the field. Yeah, for me, you know, 30 to 40 yards I think is a, is a reasonable expectation. And I think, look, if you give Marshawn eight carries and he's getting four yards per carry. That's what 32 yards. So I feel like that's a great kind of comfort spot for Marshawn to land. And you don't have to rely too heavily upon him. He's helping mm-hmm. you push forward and get the first down on, you know, every carry, if he were to carry it every time. So I think he'll be consistent. I don't think it will be that big of a piece. I think um, Travis Homer will still get, the biggest sum of carries, and I think he'll have the biggest sum of production. But, you know, eight to nine carries, four yards per for Marshawn. Maybe he busts one big one to kind of skew that average. But I, that's sort of the expectation I – or the, the expectations I have for Marshawn going into tomorrow. In 2018, in the six games he played, that was right around where you'd probably find it, although uh, 40, 41 yards, 65 64, 130 mm. against Browns, 31 yards and 45, and also around the same attempts that you mentioned there, uh, Taylor. So, uh, yeah, anywhere from like 10 to 20 they had him that year, and I think that's a good example to live by, probably. I think so. I I don't know. It's hard to really like scale back your expectations for him because yes. he, the memories we have of him is just being this complete game wrecker but I'm going to do my best. I, I, I'll try my best to dial back my expectations. But, man, oh, man, do I want to see him get, like, 120 yards. Just And that would add to the legend of Marshawn Lynch. Just totally. Right off the street, 
coming in 120 yards. Let me ask you this question. What do you think's more likely, Marshawn to be closer to 100 yards rushing or Marshawn closer to no yards rushing? <laughs> uh, probably closer to no yards rushing, especially because they've talked a lot about using Travis Homer as the feature back tomorrow. Yeah. And Homer's spent more time under Brian Schottenheimer and in his system than Marshawn certainly has. He spent, you know, just about half a week here. I think Travis Homer, it's going to lighten the pressure off of him. This takes the focus away from him, which is going to be great because his first career start comes in the biggest regular season game the Seahawks have played in a long time. That's a tall order for any young running back. Bringing Marshawn Lynch in is going to, I think, really ease the burden that Travis Homer's got going into tomorrow. Here's a great question from the 509, and if you have any great Seahawks questions or questions for us, feel free to text them in, 710-710. Question, if the Packers and Saints both happen to lose before that Sunday night football game, do you see them going all out with Marshawn and maybe giving him more carries than we would have thought if the number one seed is potentially on the line if you win that game. Yes. <laughs> nice. I think they go out all out with every single player that they've got. I think Quandre Diggs goes. I think Jadevian Clowney plays more snaps than they had initially allotted for him. They want home field advantage more than anybody because if they didn't want home field advantage, they would be okay with dig sitting out they'd be okay with Clowney resting up for the playoffs but these guys are making a concerted effort to go tomorrow night I think that says we want home field advantage at least for one round more than no round and you you made a great point off the air Curtis earlier today that if you think about the moves that they're making and signing Marshawn Lynch that's a hometown crowd move yes that's going to feed the fans here in Seattle that's going to be something that's going to energize people at CenturyLink Field. And if you're doing that week 17 with C.J. Anderson available, with Jay Ajayi available, you're doing that because you want to have that feeling at least twice. Yeah, and if, the, if this were a week 17 game on the road, would Marshawn Lynch be a Seahawk? That's a great question. I, I, and I honestly don't think so. I honestly think we're talking about Jay Ajayi or C.J. Anderson or another one of those names that was floated around versus Marshawn because they're going for, I guess, skill level versus the hype level. It's it's a crazy hypothetical to think about, but it's glad that it's only a hypothetical, and we've got Marshawn Lynch in the fold. So who do the Seahawks need more from against the 49ers? We sort of asked this question to Joe Fan. Uh, he mentioned to Debbie Clowney as his re- response. There, there are a lot of guys who are going to be on the field for the first time in a while. Clowney, Shaquille Griffin, Quandre Diggs, Marshawn Lynch. Lydia, when you look at the, the handful of guys who could, could see or will see time tomorrow out on the field, who do they need the most from in order to beat the 49ers? I think Quandre Diggs would be huge just because he seems to settle that secondary and just the way that the defense sort of changed since that trade happened. Obviously, having your best pass rusher out there means a lot as well. It's been interesting to watch the 49ers since they last played the Seahawks because, yes, they were down some offensive pieces. Uh, Matt Breda had some injury struggles. George Kittle, of course. But 
when it comes to their expected points since that, uh, since the Seahawks played them, uh, their offense has been in the positive. Their defense has almost been always in the negative in terms of expected points, which is like the last time that happened or that it was flipped was against the Seahawks when their defense or their offense played not so great. Their defense played really great, forcing four turnovers. Since then, uh, two turnovers, one, 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 one. So their defense has sort of fallen off a little bit here in the past couple of weeks. And I think in their offense has found a little bit of confidence. I think it's most important for you to knock Jimmy G off of his confidence early on and make him uncomfortable and make him make mistakes. So I think Quandre Diggs is a big part of that. I agree with your your reasoning, but I think it it's Clowney because of that. Mm-hmm. And the pressure that Clowney is able to create now, it doesn't always show up in the stat sheet. QB pressures can mean a lot of different things, but... George Kittle is going to be the focus of that 49er offense. And they know it. We know it. Seahawks fans out there know it. Niner fans out there know it, that that's what's going to happen. So if you know it's going to happen, and there's still not a lot you can do to stop a guy like George Kittle, he's he's elite. Mm -hmm. You have to be able to get pressure on the guy getting him the ball. Get to Jimmy G. Whatever that means, make him uncomfortable. Make it unusual for him to get the ball to Kittle. And I think the best chance of the Seahawks doing that starts with Jadavian Clowney and the pressure he can get up front. And not only that, when he does start to get pressure up front, what sort of looks the other defensive linemen are starting to get when he's getting doubled, when he's getting focused on from that offensive line? What can Rasheem Green do? Can LJ Collier come in and do do anything? anything? Yeah, Um, show me some. I think maybe then to your point, I was just speaking more of like who the next best replacement is because the next drop off from from Quandre Diggs, it seems like a steep drop off. And we saw it in that game against the Cardinals. Lano Hill taking an angle that I didn't know you could take on a football field. Like, I think the drop off is obtuse angle. Yeah, Yeah. is. When it comes to the defensive line, Clowney has been far and away their best pass rusher, but it, they still have names. Like yeah. The fact that we're not talking more about Jaron Reed is kind of crazy c- considering the season he had last year, and and they have people that can rush the passer up there. So I think you're right. He is he needs to create that pressure on the quarterback, but there's also guys that should step up. You know, if it would be nice if they did as well. Yeah. Step up two. Ooh. The street. The streets. Step up to the streets. Well, yeah, but step up three. What you're talking about, Lydia, is almost the, <laughs> the the floor and the ceiling, yeah. right? Like the floor when digs wins is above in. replacement. Correct. Yeah, the, the whatever the football uh, rep- equivalent would be. So, I would agree with you 100 percent that the drop off between Digs and the next guy versus the drop off between Clowney and the next guy is bigger. But I would also say the ceiling of Clowney being in there and Absolutely. the potential might be a little bit higher than when Diggs' ceiling is in there. And again, it's not a disrespect to either player, but it's just they provide different things to this defense, both needed mm-hmm. to be successful, but it's it's unique to see both of these these two play. Coming up next, we take a look at the NFC playoff picture. Teams are all teams are mostly set, but the Seahawks have opportunities to get home field advantage in the postseason. We'll talk about how they can get that locked up for themselves coming up next. Seattle Sports Saturday, 710 ESPN Seattle. Seattle Sports Saturdays with Lydia Cruz, Curtis Rogers, and Taylor Jacobs. On 710 ESPN Seattle. It's got to break just right for the Seahawks. It's got to break 
just right, but man, oh man, are they not helped out by who New Orleans and Green Bay have to face in Week 17. <laughs> Two teams that have very much packed it in. Saints taking on Carolina in Charlotte tomorrow. Green Bay taking on the Lions in Detroit. Two teams that are very much playing out the string. In fact, I don't think either one of those teams have won a game in like two months. Yeah. It's been a while. Feels like it. <laughs> uh, Carolina down to their third string quarterback. Detroit also down to their, I think, third stringer, David Blau. You've got Will Greer starting for the Panthers. If the Seahawks are going to get that one seed, they are going to need some help. But crazier things have happened in the NFL. It's, a, it's true. Any given Sunday is a, an expression for a reason. And especially when you get down to these games, too, where teams might be slack, not slacking off, but they just might be looking past this week. And if you catch them on, on the wrong day, you've also got teams that have nothing to lose. And so just in terms of nerds out there uh, who are interested in cognitive bias, you're also just you're playing with different mentalities this week. Yeah, it's going to be you, – you just wish that, you know, the Saints and Packers were playing teams with a little more to play for than right. these two. Um, yeah, pride. Just, they have pride on the line, okay, oh, Tay? Charlie Conway. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's what the original games were about. Yeah, but it, it it's not unlikely. And again, we just mentioned it in our segment with the Sounders and how improbable it was that they would host the MLS Cup. You know, of the four teams left, they you know they had all these things that needed to happen in order for them to host, and yet they hosted they hosted the MLS Cup. They won the cup at home, and that's how the things played out. So. You don't play these games on paper for a reason. They play them on the field because any given Sunday, something can happen. And it could be the the one time the Lions step up and beat the Packers. And if that's the case and the Seahawks win, you're talking about a two seed versus a three seed. And it's just little things like that can mean so much. So first of all, you got to take care of yourself. you got to win the game on Sunday night and then... Before that, we'll know everything else that happens, and it'll be really fun to watch. As it currently stands, the Seahawks can clinch a variety of seeds after Sunday. They still have a shot at the one. The two seed can also be theirs. I believe the three seed can be theirs. Correct. And, and the, the five. five. They yep. cannot get four. Four is going to go to whoever wins the NFC East, which is still up in the air. Philly and Dallas. Uh, Philly beating Dallas last week, but... Eagles face a Giants team in New Jersey this week, a Giants team that nearly beat Philadelphia on Monday Night Football a couple weeks ago. Dallas has a much easier game at home against Washington. Uh, I believe Washington will be without Dwayne Haskins, too. So the Cowboys, despite them getting their teeth kicked in last week against Philadelphia, could still manage to find their way in the playoffs and clinch that number 4 seed. If you are Seattle and you do end up with the number five seed, which is still very much in play, if they if they fall to San Francisco tomorrow, they would be going on the road to face either Philadelphia or Dallas in the wild card round. We saw the Seahawks go up against Dallas last year in the wild card round. When you look at those two teams, Philadelphia or Dallas, who do you think the Seahawks match up better against? We saw them beat Philadelphia earlier this year, but does Dallas and their terrible coaching, does that give you more hope than going up against Philly again? I feel like sometimes the floor ceiling is 
is more erratic with Dallas. That their ceiling to me is higher, but do they always because of that coaching and because of Jerry Jones micromanaging everything sometimes play down. It was funny how the narrative changed just a few weeks ago where it was like Dallas, oh they got to fire Jason Garrett. They're, you know, n- not playing up to the talent on this roster. This team's done and then they won they beat the Rams. They, they beat the Rams, and it was like, oh, Maybe my gosh. they sneak in. Yeah, who wants to – nobody – Seattle doesn't want to go to Dallas and play against them. This, this team is unstoppable at home. Nobody wants to go to Dallas and play. Everything's firing. And then they lost to the Eagles, and the narrative completely flipped again. So I would say they're just so erratic, but you've you've seen they, – they match up very similarly to the Seahawks. They remind me of the Seahawks in a lot of ways. A quarterback that can do a lot of different things. They like to run the ball. They've got a pretty decent defense, at least on paper. So, I want it to be Dallas so we can get that revenge, the revenge game oh, from good last for you. year. So I would love to see that. I um, feel a little more comfortable in Philly. Yeah, I mean Philly is the one that I want is the the true answer here because I think you you've seen what you match up like, and they're so banged up. Even Zach Ertz, his yeah. his playing status is questionable. The last week of the regular season, and their wide receiver group is so bad as it is. If you leave out Zach Ertz, who is their most reliable target by a mile, now Carson Wentz doesn't have anybody to throw to. Now it becomes even even more of a tougher climb for Philadelphia. But I like Tay's brave answer. Yeah, I'm a brave little toaster. Yeah, there he is. There you are. <laughs> Which I believe you can stream nowadays. Oh, Disney Plus. Yeah, it's on Disney Plus. Well, that sure. movie is scary. Like. Blanket goes through some some stuff. I don't. I mean, I don't want to be those people, but I'll just say that I think they used to make Disney movies or our movies a little more terrifying back in the day. Yeah. And then they kind of there were some ones that uh, just really messed me up when we were younger. I mean, Little Mermaid, Ursula is getting impaled by a ship. That seems a yeah. little heavy. Anyway. Yeah, and like the, the perfect real. world is her not being able to talk. Yeah, I know. Oof. That's a little bit messed yeah, up. Yeah, there's some weird messaging <laughs> in some old Disney movies. That's Disney takes sure. you to different places. Just ignore yeah. that part. Very different places. But if the Seahawks are able to get a win against San Francisco, the worst seed they can get is the three seed, mm-hmm. which means they would play wild card weekend against the Vikings, a team we've already seen Seattle beat once this season, a team that did give Seattle some fits in that game. Uh, Minnesota was not going to go away. But the Seahawks have a chance at getting the one or two seed, which would mean they kick back and just kind of wait for the chips to fall where they may. If they're the two seed, they would play the best advancing team of the wild card round. There is a very real shot that Seattle and San Francisco would meet up again in the playoffs because of just how the seeding can can fall. If San Francisco gets the one or two seed, Seattle has a chance of meeting them in the second round in the divisional round. And we know it is so incredibly tough to beat a single team twice in one year. If the Seahawks win on Sunday and face the 49ers again in the postseason, Thrice? they would have to beat them three times in one single season, which – I cannot remember the last time Seattle did that to a team. I don't know if they've ever done that to a team in in their entire existence. I know it's happened to them at least once. It happened with the Rams, I think, in 04, something like that. Uh, but very difficult to beat a team three straight times. But it's a great position to be in if you're Seattle because that will have meant you've won Week 17 and then have a shot at them again in the postseason. Yeah, don't hate it. I was gonna say I'd like to suffer through that problem yeah. Yeah. if I could. I'd like to experience <laughs> what that problem feels like. Um, yeah, it, 
I be- all the facts are there to tell you that winning those three games are so difficult, and to sweep someone three times in an NFL season is is really hard. But also, it feels like with Pete Carroll and these guys, it feels like you, it's not. Which is weird to say that it just feels like they will have an opportunity and they'll have the best opportunity because they're so familiar with these teams that they actually strive in these situations. And it feels like Pete can get these guys ready again for another matchup with these with these 49ers and what that could look like in the, in the playoffs first, you know, tomorrow. I'm, I mean, it's great to be going over playoff scenarios. I love it. Scoreboard watching is the best. And knowing that whatever the Seahawks do tomorrow, they're not out of the postseason. Yep. They are very much going to have a shot at a Super Bowl title in 2019. And, I mean, who would have thought that, you know, two years ago when the Seahawks set off for this retooling, for this restocking of the shelves, that they would already be back to an 11-win pace, maybe even a 12-win pace, and, and having a first-round bye here or there, like that is that is a tremendous testament to John Schneider and Pete Carroll's ability to recognize talent and to coach them up. And, and yeah, the, the way that the Seahawks have gotten to 11 wins this year, it's been pretty heart-stopping at times. It's been kind of frustrating along the way, too. But 11 wins have been banked. They cannot take that away from the Seahawks. And a 12th win clinches them a home-field playoff game, which is... That is goal number one every team has to start off the season. Get home playoff games. Get to the Super Bowl. It's well within their grasp. And root for the Lions because the yeah. Lions win. Let's go. I can probably Lions get a two and Panthers. Seed. Yeah, the Panthers. Big fan of the Cats. Yeah, go Cat teams. Yeah, meow. Yeah. Wow. Coming up next, what are some of the most memorable regular season Seahawks games? What are some of the most hyped ones you can remember over this past decade, this most successful decade in Seahawks franchise history. Where does tomorrow stack up on that list? We talk that next. Seattle Sports Saturday, 710 ESPN Seattle. Seattle Sports Saturdays with Lydia Cruz, Curtis Rogers, and Taylor Jacobs. On 710 ESPN Seattle. There's a big game coming up tomorrow, which calls for the NFL primetime music. I mean, there's no more important soundtrack to the NFL over the last 25 years than this. And there may not be a more important Seahawks regular season game of this decade than what we're going to see tomorrow. And which is saying a lot because this is by far the most successful decade the Seahawks have ever had. It's not even close. Maybe the 2000s, probably the next closest. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it certainly maybe, wasn't the 90s. Maybe the 80s. Maybe the 80s, just because they did have success in the AFC West at the time. But, yeah. I mean, it's far and away this decade for the best. And in this decade, there have been plenty of huge regular season games that the Seahawks have found themselves in. Playing for division titles. Playing for playoff berths. Playing for just a lot of opportunities to announce their arrival. And... It starts in the first year of this decade. Week 17, you have the 6-9 and nine mm. Seahawks. Nice. A nice record for the Seahawks that year. Going up against the 7-8 and eight St. Louis Rams with a shot at winning the NFC West. 
Charlie Whitehurst under center. He finds Ruvel Martin for 61 yards. Charlie pump fakes one way. Got lots of time. Now he lets a flag on a man wide open. It's Ruvel Martin. He's inside the 40, 35, 30, down the far sidelines, 20. Knocked out of bounds at the 15-yard line. Charlie Whitehurst, cool as a cucumber, stands strong against the blitz, steps up and throws a beautiful rainbow, a 61-yard connection to Ruvel Martin on the second play of the game. Where does the Whitehurst to Martin combo rank in Seahawks lore? Oh, it's it's up there with yeah, uh, it's an all-timer. Zorn mm-hmm. to Largent. Wilson to Baldwin. Yeah. <laughs> Whitehurst, Ruvel Martin. Woo! Gets my blood boiling right that here. Led, that, that, that set up the uh, Seahawks' only touchdown of the night in a 16-6 victory that clinched the NFC West, sprung the Seahawks to their wildcard round game against the New Orleans Saints. Can can anybody remind me of anything that happened in that game that mm. may have involved somebody on this very Seahawks team? What? Beastquake. Beastquake yeah. number one. So, yeah, that, that that's example number one of a huge regular season game the Seahawks have found themselves in in this decade. How about 2012? What? Jeez. Is that yeah. Jeez. Just speaking what we're all thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 2012 Is saw, saw plenty of huge regular season games. Yeah, this was the decade. That was the year of the decade. Yes. Even though they didn't win, that wasn't the Super Bowl year. This was the year, I think. It got the ball rolling. And everyone in the city bought in. I think all the fans, that's when like Blue Friday really took off. The, the fervor of Seahawks football launched that 2012 season. Bought into Russell Wilson as the QB. Yeah. Bought into the defense. Yeah. And the very first huge announcement of the Seahawks' arrival, probably week six against the Patriots, Famously known as the You Mad Bro game. Mm-hmm. Second and five. Brady, empty backfield out of the shotgun, takes the snap, looks right, lays it out over the top, and it's intercepted. Ball is picked off by Richard Sherman down at the 20 yard line. He slides down to about the 17. That's where the Seahawks will take over first and 10. The ball was intended for Dion Branch, the former Seahawk. Oh, you mad, bro? First of two interceptions for Richard Sherman in that game. Earl Thomas also. Sidney Rice had the big catch at the end. Was that the butt catch game? Or was that a different? That was the Bears game, which yeah. we're getting to yeah, here. Golden Sorry, Tate jump had the gun. Jump the gun. I got excited. Golden Tate, G yeah. Tate. Yep. But yeah, let's let's. I mean, talk about talk Chicago. about Chicago. Let's, let's talk see. about it. That's the one for me. The yes. Patriots game was sort of the first blip on the radar that the Seahawks may be good. The Bears game was very much an emphatic yell that, oh, well, these guys are, are good. Week 13 versus Chicago. Yeah, what was it for you in this game? I think this was Russell Wilson's. It was him leading a drive to tie the game and then him leading the drive in overtime to win the game. Empty backfield. Wilson out of the shotgun. Four down linemen. Looked like the Bears fell into the neutral zone. Wilson's got to scramble again. He comes out to the right side. He's running hard. He's going to get the first down. Turns up field 30, 25. Runs out of bounds near sideline. This is Russell Wilson at his finest. Out of bounds at the 25-yard line. Just showing off that 
he is that dual threat. And we talk about Lamar Jackson and all the amazing things he's doing now. Well, Russell Wilson set the stage for that. Yeah. And I did. Hindsight plays a little bit into this selection, at least for me, because we know what now has become of Russell Wilson and this team. But at the time, it wasn't a big game. But in the history of this team, I think we can all look back at that Chicago game and say this is the moment when they turned from a contender into the team. And if it wasn't for uh, Wingstop owner Sidney Rice's heroics in overtime, who knows where this Seahawks team is. Lynch in the backfield, first and ten. Play fake, Wilson pumps, looks downfield, throws a dart, Rice in the end zone! Touchdown, Seahawks! Bar judge said touchdown. Bears are scrambling like they've got the ball. It looked like Sidney Rice crossed the end zone. After review, the ruling of the field stands. Yes! (laughs) Seahawks win in Chicago in overtime. I remember that catch. I believe Sidney Rice got, I think he got like a concussion on the play. Mm -hmm. Because he, after he was tackled, he did not move. I was going to say, he got like flipped and then he was just like laying on the ground. Yeah. Yeah. Just an amazing, amazing catch for him to hold on. That was a huge regular season game. Seahawks have played a bunch of huge regular season games against the 49ers. In fact, they played one against a really good 49ers team, maybe the best of the decade in terms of 49ers team, that 2012 team that eventually won the NFC title. But if they had met the Seahawks in the playoffs that year, I don't think it goes San Francisco's way. And we learned just how much in favor that could have gone in week 16 of that season, the Seahawks put a huge hurting on the 49ers. And what was cool about this game is, we in these highlights, talking about these games, a lot of names that are going to come up on Sunday, right? Richard Sherman, a huge factor in that game, but also this guy. Four receivers, slots to both sides, shotgun snap. Wilson looking left, has time. Dumps it underneath the Lynch. Touchdown, Seahawks! Marshawn Lynch with his second touchdown of the game. Second touchdown of the first quarter on a little pass. Swing out of the backfield, make the catch, untouched into the end zone, and Seattle leads 13-0 over the Niners. And it just continued and continued and continued that night, 42-13. The Seahawks pound the 49ers. As the Coors Light text line points out from the 509, weeks 14 through 16 that year, the Seahawks scored 150 points combined. They put up 58 against the Cardinals. What was it? Was 50 the against shutout, the Bills. Right? 58-0? 58-0 against mm-hmm. the Cardinals. 50-17 to 17 against the Ooh. Bills up in Toronto, of all places. Shout out. And then 42 against the 49ers. It was just a run that I don't think we'll ever see ever I, again. I also think that that was big because you had that rivalry started and you had Pete Carroll versus John Harbaugh and it and their rivalry. Yeah, this is Pete Carroll after talking about after the game about wanting to talk to him and what ensued. His wife finally came up to me and said, he won't let me talk to you, but I'm going to do it anyway. And so she came up and started and started talking. She was awesome. And we had a blast. And Glenn and I and, and, and his wife, we were, we were talking. And then he finally kind of comes over. <laughs> it was really funny. And then we had a blast. We were, we were telling stories and back and forth. He remembers games we played when I was coaching at the Jets and he was playing at Chicago. I just loved that rivalry. You just always, it took this to the next level. And now we see the new iteration, Kyle Shanahan, sort of one of the wonder kids of the NFL. And I think it's a different kind of of rivalry, but 
it's still very much there. Absolutely. Uh, and then also on our list here, we've got the Seahawks taking on the Saints in 2013 in Monday night game between the 10-1 and Seahawks and the 9-2 and New Orleans Saints that was over right as pretty much the first whistle happened. Yeah, and who else was a part of that? Baldwin slotted on the far side, inside handoff to Lynch, got a little running room. In, across midfield, 45, down to the 42, first down run for the Seahawks and Marshawn Lynch, a 14-yard pickup. Russell Wilson also with some great scrambles in that game. Uh, Richard Sherman, a big factor as well. So the name's very familiar. And There was a huge uh, fumble recovery for a touchdown early in that one. Michael Bennett taking it to mm-hmm. the house. Right now the Seahawks have their pass rushing group in on third and five. Shotgun snap to Breeze. Steps up in the pocket. Looks. He's hit the ball. Comes out. It's picked off by the Seahawks. Coming near side. 20, 15, Michael Bennett, five. <laughs> touchdown, Seahawks. from Drew Brees as he was getting set to throw right into the hands of Bennett, and it was good night, Irene. <laughs> good night, night Irene. Irene. Great line. Drew Brees also speaking after that game. I love this quote from him about the road to the Super Bowl going through Seattle and the respect they had for this team. We aspire to be in the playoffs. Um, we aspire to win our division, which is first and foremost, that's, that's what we got to do. And we'll let all that other stuff take care of itself. But uh, as of right now, the road... Road to the Super Bowl looks like it's, you know, traveling through here. Yeah, and that would be very correct. Happened two straight years, 2013 and 2014. A very real possibility of it happening in 2019. Seahawks going to need some help, though, from the Panthers and Lions tomorrow if they are going to pull it off, if they are going to get home field advantage throughout the postseason. A lot on the line tomorrow. Hopefully tomorrow can live up to what these games provided Seahawks fans, memories that uh, will not go away anytime soon. And I hopefully uh, we we drummed up some really good ones here during this last uh, ten minutes or so. But that those are some of the biggest regular season games we've seen the Seahawks play. I want it to be tomorrow so bad. I don't know if I've mentioned that or not. Today. It's okay. Remember, appetizer, college football playoff. Yep. It's all right. We're just Hydrate. gonna we're gonna have the okay. bacon wrapped. Okay. Bacon wrapped hot dogs, smokies, right? Yeah. And, and just wet the palate, and it'll be fine. Just okay. stay safe out there. You got like 24 hours exactly. before we really got to amp it up. Just stay safe, drive safe, preserve your voice. Yes. Stay in the house if you some need to. Tea, yeah, yep. with a little lemon, lemon, maybe some honey. Yeah. Yeah. Get your mind, body, and spirit ready for tomorrow. Those are some of the biggest regular season games we've seen the Seahawks play. Up next, we wrap up this Saturday. With your shout-outs, with our shout-outs, Seattle Sports Saturday, 710 ESPN Seattle. Seattle Sports Saturdays with Lydia Cruz, Curtis Rogers, and Taylor Jacobs. On 710 ESPN Seattle. You can listen to the show anywhere in the world via the the 710 Sports app. It's driven by your Puget Sound Acura dealers. Big day of college football here on 710 ESPN Seattle, beginning at 1 o'clock with the Peach Bowl between number 1 LSU and number 4 Oklahoma. 5 o'clock is the Fiesta Bowl between Clemson and Ohio State. Winners go to the national championship game. Uh, Quick college football scoreboard before we give you our shout-outs. Penn State up 38-33 on Memphis. Five minutes to go in the third quarter in the Cotton Bowl. That is a high-scoring affair 
Notre Dame blowing out Iowa State. Ten minutes to go in the Camping World Bowl, up 30-9. to uh, But, yeah, great day of college football coming your way today. Great day of NFL football coming your way tomorrow, beginning at 2 o'clock with the pregame show. 5.15 is the kickoff between the Seahawks and 49ers in the NFC West. But uh, it's time for shout-outs as we wrap up this edition of Seattle Sports Saturday. We wrap up every Seattle Sports Saturday with our shout-outts, with your shout-outs. From the 509, shout-out to my friend who hooked me up with a ticket to tomorrow's game back in September, long before we knew what this game was going to mean. Thank you, Jeremy. So 509 shouting out Jeremy. Thinking ahead there, 509, asking for the... uh... What what is now one of the games of the year? I know, absolutely. Just uh, hey, thinking ahead to my Christmas pre- present, Jeremy. Would you? Yeah, would you be? Interested? Jeremy, could you also get me a ticket for next year's finale in the regular season? Because yeah. I've got a feeling that will also mean something. Put, putting in my request now. Yeah, Jeremy's got in. tickets to hand out. If you're looking for a ticket for tomorrow, Jeremy's the guy to, to hit up. Seems so. Uh, from the three six zero rainbow shouts out seven ten yes. in the year twenty twenty be mm-hmm. safe don't drink and drive go hogs great Absolutely. advice Absolutely, uh, especially with all the end of the year festivities we want you safe we want you to continue to listen to us yeah New Year's and it's and again it's usually not you just remember that it's usually not you even yeah. if you're responsible you're taking care of everything you're supposed to take care of there are people out there who will try and skirt that and get around it so take an Uber be safe. Uh, this is just the time of year when accidents happen and things are, are kind of, I guess, out of the norm. So just be safe out there. We want to hear you and have your texts on our uh, text line here for the next foreseeable future. Absolutely. Uh, we got a lot of shout-outs to get to today. Uh, I'm going to start it off by shouting out uh, a member of the sports media world that uh, passed away this week, Ed Ashoff. He was a reporter for ESPN and ESPN.com spent a lot of time covering the SEC. I don't know if we ever had him on the station. We may have when Washington was playing Alabama in the Peach Bowl a couple of years ago, but uh, he was only 34 years old, passed away from pneumonia, and also uh, died on Christmas Eve, which also was his birthday. Uh, Just a tremendously uh, tragic moment for, for, you know, a lot of people you know, who cover this game or cover sports in general. And it really puts it into perspective. Like he's sort of the age of us and, and, you know, he has, he had a fiance. Uh, so just shout out to him, shout out to his family, shout out to his fiance. Uh, I believe her name is Katie. Uh, just a, a tremendously terrible loss in the in the sports media world. Uh, never had a chance to meet him, but by all accounts, he seemed like just a tremendous person. Uh, so shout out to him and, and shout out to to his family there. Yeah, I'm, I think to go along with that, I just wanted to give a shout out to everybody around the holidays here. I know that they're a tough time for a lot of people. Uh, and Danny O'Neill mentioned this last week on Danny and Gallant, but I think of this time as just so happy. But there are there have been times in my life where I've been low at this time, and I know it can be exacerbated around the, if you deal with depression or if you deal with anxiety and uh, you feel alone out there. So just want to shout out to, to you because you aren't alone. You have people that love you and that support you. And it, and I don't know sometimes in those moments, it may not seem like it, but uh, we right here yeah. love you and support you. Mm-hmm. So that's three people right here for you. And you can always text in seven ten seven ten 710 or find us on Twitter 
or anything if you need if you need a friend to talk to because we're here for you. Yeah. And yeah. Well, I was just going to say 1-800-273-8255, um, National Suicide Prevention Line. There's always someone there 24 hours a day. Talk to you without judgment, without, yep. yeah. Anything. And uh, like Lydia said, all of our DMs are open um, that we... We love you guys, whether you disagree with what we have to say, whether you don't like us on the air, whether you love us on the air, everyone else in between, uh, we are always here for you because I think that we would we would want the same from you. I think it's something that not a lot of people get to hear, that people are there for them, and sometimes they, they assume that they're not. Um, so I think it's great to, to, to be open and be honest that we are here for you and that times are tough for everyone and it's never just an easy road. So mm-hmm. if it's a tough time for you and you just need a little help, don't be afraid to ask for help. Yeah, it's, there's nothing shameful about it. In fact, it's the very brave thing to do to ask for help. Very courageous. And we've all needed help at times in our lives. So yeah. please yeah. reach out if that is you. And, and also just to everybody, this has been an incredible 2019. And we have had so much fun. You know, we started the show back in March. And yeah. so I just want to mm-hmm. shout out you guys because, wow, it's it's been a fun ride. Yeah. A, a lot of hard work. and It's been it's, nine months. And yeah. now it's just a birth a child in yeah, right? and uh not only just this year but i think this decade because i think 10 years ago all three of us were in quite a different spot yeah and um yeah, yeah. and i think that goes to show people out there too that if you have a, a dream or if you have something that you're working towards to keep working towards that goal um it may be tough and there's going to be times where you're working 60 70 80 hour weeks and you don't know why and you don't know what the purpose is and you'll it will all be worth it. I promise you in the end, if you work hard, because uh, I think that's what helped me get here was a lot of hard work. A lot of great people around me, you know, my wife, my family, my friends, they all really helped, you know, motivate me to stay working hard because it's going to be difficult. There's going to be things you're going to miss parties. You'll miss moments. You'll miss in your life working towards your goal. But if you have something in mind and, and it's worth it, then the work should be, the reward. And, uh, I just, uh, I want to thank everyone who listens to the show again, whether you, you love us, whether you hate us, whether you just like listening to sports radio on a Saturday, it's been my dream to be on the the air in Seattle hosting with my friends. I wouldn't have never even imagined. So uh, I just thank you for everything you've done. Uh, whether you're listening, whether you're listening on a podcast, thank you for everything. Taylor, you mentioned we didn't know where we'd be at the beginning of this decade. Yeah. We didn't even know where 710 ESPN Seattle would be at the beginning of this decade. Yeah, it was man. still in its infancy, wasn't even a full year old uh, at this point, and yet 10 years later, uh, we're still we pumping are. it out every single day uh, from sunup to sundown. So thank you for joining us uh, in 2019. Thank you for joining us at any point in this decade. Cause, it's been uh, awesome. We've got three days left of the 10-year celebration of 710 ESPN Seattle. So yeah. who knows what... What this next decade's got in store for, I think, for any of us. Yeah, despite the unknowns, we're going to have a lot of fun. I think that's uh, guaranteed. I mean, so. you're at least getting one new team. So <laughs> yeah. You a new sports team, a new arena. Maybe some, you get some new coaches here in Montlake. You get two new teams. You got XFL team this year, then you got an like, NHL oh gosh, team yeah, in exactly. another year, and maybe NBA to follow. So let's yeah. go. This could be a big decade for us, so buckle up. Let's go. Get ready. Let's go. 2020, just a couple days away. College football playoff just about an hour away. That's going to do it for us today for Lydia Cruz and Taylor Jacobs. I'm Curtis Rogers. This has been Seattle Sports Saturday on 710 ESPN Seattle.